So my name is Fiona O'Malley. I am from Offaly and I am the CEO of Turn To Me. And Fiona, you have a very big soft spot for the county of Kerry. I do indeed, yeah. Um, a bazillion years ago when I did uh, my undergrad, uh, I applied for a writing um, programme. It was only a weekend thing and it was here centrally and it was just amazing. I was just blown away by the scenery and the people are so friendly and um, just lots of lovely culture and local spots that are nice to pop into so and you picked a beautiful day at the moment because right now we have our blue skies yes. we were here two weeks ago you wouldn't have had this at all it's <laughs> idyllic it's it's crisp it's nice the, the, the perfect January it is fresh it mm-hmm. is fresh Fiona I spotted your letter in the Kerry Man recently mm-hmm. tell us about what you wrote so um, I wrote about the pressure that we all have uh, in terms of New Year's resolutions um, in the January period and I suppose I kind of wanted people to not put so much pressure on themselves um, to you know have these extreme detoxes these uh, rigid regimes and a total change of lifestyle that oftentimes is unrealistic and oftentimes sets us up for failure um, and I do think when people are on social media particularly over the holidays and we compare ourselves to other people and we see other people's apparently perfect lives on on Instagram but of course none of that is real I always say when someone's comparing themselves to what they see on Instagram it's like comparing yourself to an advert because Mm -hmm. you're getting a heavily edited glimpse into someone's life Um, and no one shares you know the traumas that they have or the struggles that they have or the mundane tasks that they have to do in everyday life Um, like no one's ever put on Instagram just unloaded the dishwasher like (laughs) hashtag living my best life so I think sometimes when we compare ourselves to what we see on social media we can feel bad, we can feel inadequate um, and we can feel lesser and I think that's really, really unhealthy. Um, so one of the things that I was talking about in um, in the letter was A, to not compare ourselves to what we see online and to B, to be B, to be realistic in our New Year's resolutions um, and then C, to be kinder to ourselves and instead of maybe trying to have this complete lifestyle overhaul and lifestyle change in the new year um, maybe instead of giving something up, uh, maybe start something new whether it's a college course or uh, maybe starting that hobby that you always wanted to do or try out or um, finish that novel you always wanted to write so um, I think yeah, we just need to be kinder to ourselves uh, during this period and we need to uh, incorporate a lot of self-care into our uh, routine, particularly during the January blues season. I think a lot of people find when Christmas is over and we're into January, we're a good three weeks into January now, but there's a lot of pressure there to either have a goal, have something in, in your mind. But as you say, there's a lot of pressure there as when you come to February and you don't see any changes and then you're in that cycle of feeling not bad for yourself, but feeling disappointed with yourself Mm -hmm. for not being able to achieve the things that as you say, are unrealistic to achieve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when yeah, when we set these ridiculously high um, goals, we you know sometimes you can do it, but is it sustainable? You know, I always think if someone, um, if some people say in the new year I'm going to go to the gym every single day for you know 365 days a year for the for the next year, and they mightn't have gone to the gym once the previous year, and I think well, would it be better to aim to go twice or three times a week? Um, things like that are are more uh, sustainable sustainable and um, they're, they're not going to set you up for failure, I guess. Fiona, you had a moment in your life where you gave all this advice to people, mm-hmm. you know, like, don't be so hard on yourself, but it, 
it hit you a bit harder at one point. It did, yeah. So um, I suppose last year, um, I'm always, I'm very open actually um, about it. I'm always encouraging uh, women to check their breasts because last year um, I had a wee spot of early stage breast cancer. But uh, yeah, I always encourage people to, to check their breasts because um, I, when I was 33, I was diagnosed with um, stage one uh, breast cancer, uh, but it was grade three. So it was quite an aggressive uh, form of breast cancer. And it's like pretty much I like shoehorn it into every single conversation now like if someone asks me um, what's your name I'll say check your breasts it's Fiona O'Malley um, <laughs> what time is it it's time to check your breasts um, I suppose you know I, I certainly wouldn't recommend breast cancer but it is um, in a diagnosis like that and thank goodness I'm fine now but a diagnosis like that um, really makes you reflect on your life and um, what you have achieved what you have yet to achieve um, and it also you know invokes um, compassion particularly self-compassion and um, it just really taught me to slow down and enjoy the present and to stop always focusing on, you know, the next achievement, the next task on my to-do list. Um, but at the same time, it also taught me to um, believe more in, in myself. Um, I always say that we pe- people can suffer from, um, I suppose, imposter syndrome and I think women particularly can suffer from imposter syndrome and some type of inferiority complex. Um, I always say to my friends, like whenever I'm on a hiring panel and if there's a a job spec um, that we have put out and if the salary is between we'll say 30 uh, grand and 45 grand, we'll say hypothetically, women will come in and if we ask them what their salary expectation is and they've seen the the band that we can offer, they'll ask for the 30 grand because they don't want to be seen as being greedy. Whereas when a man would come in and he'd ask for the highest point of the salary scale um, and also men generally, if they would fit, for example, five of the 10 criteria that we're looking for, they would think they're perfectly qualified for the role. Whereas if a woman only had nine of the 10 criteria we're looking for, she would think she was underqualified. Um, so I think women particularly uh, can be harder on themselves and can suffer from imposter syndrome. And I'm always giving the best advice to my friends and family and telling them you should ask for that pay rise, you should go for that promotion or you should do that course and upskill. And I realise I need to take a dose of my own medicine um, <laughs> because when, uh, I, I mean, I always wanted to do um, a PhD, uh, but I never thought I was I was smart enough. And I was really passionate. I did a master's in international human rights and I was really passionate about the regulation of online misinformation um, and I always wanted as I said I always wanted to do a PhD but I never thought I was smart enough and then I suppose once I had the cancer diagnosis I said well I think I know the topic that I am passionate enough, passionate enough about and the, the topic I could study for four to six years so I decided um, I'll throw my you know hat in the ring and see or if any institution is desperate enough to accept me. Um, so I applied for three different institutions and I got offered two of the three institutions I applied for, uh, including my dream spot uh, in UCC with my dream co-supervisors. So I'm over the moon. I'm absolutely thrilled. Um, and yeah, it's been a strange, strange year, um, but but a good year nonetheless, and uh, a good a good time to reflect on on all the blessings that I have in my life. What made you feel 
that you weren't smart enough? I suppose um, when I was in law school, um, I always <laughs> I always tended to hang around with people that were smarter than me. Um, and that was good because I certainly learned from them. But, you know, like a lot of my friends would have been getting, um, you know, first class everything and uh, would have been top of the year and scholarships coming out, you know, <laughs> coming out of their ears. And I certainly wasn't in that category. I was very average. And I suppose maybe by comparison, I thought, you know, I wasn't smart enough. And then I, you know, some of those friends who were really smart, I would see them like, you know, dropping out of programs sometimes. Maybe they, when they started PhDs, they didn't realise how, you know, isolating it can be, how, how it is just you really, you know, researching that one topic for a long period. Um, and so then I thought, well, if they've dropped out, I, I certainly won't be able to do it because I'm not at their academic level. And I suppose you're an inspiration now for anyone that does feel that not smart enough. And it makes me sad in a sense because... You know, when you're in secondary school, you get a touch of that. When you're in your forties, you more than likely get a bit of, a bit of a touch of that as well. But even older people, you know, people in their sixties, seventies, they're like, "Well, I'm too old. I'm what do I know about this?" Mm-hmm. And especially with anything to do with communications or computers or anything, they're like, "Well, I'm not going to be able to get the hand the handle that or mm-hmm. anything." Mm-hmm. So, I suppose it's kind of opening up that conversation for people as well to be like. But you do realise somewhere in you, you are capable of doing these things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I suppose, the, you know, one of the things that I would say is like, what's the worst that can happen? Apply for the job, you won't get it. Apply for that course, you won't get it. Like, you know, it doesn't matter. And, and I you remember, have an answer then? You have an answer then, yeah. And then just apply for the next one or, you know, see what else are you interested in. I remember one time uh, I, was, I was trying to persuade a friend um, to go to King's Inns, uh, to go to the uh, law school I went to. And I thought she'd be brilliant. She's really, really cut out for it. I thought she's really, really good. And uh, just everything about her personality. She'd just be fantastic, fantastic uh, legal mind, very analytical, very good at spotting inconsistencies. Um, and so, you know, wise and learned and so intelligent like she didn't have you know um, a degree or a third level degree but I was like oh, she's just amazing this this woman and saying you should apply for it you know go th- throw your hat in the ring go for it and she's like oh you know I, I don't know about that and I said why not and she said well it'll take me four years to do it probably in total three to four years and she said in three to four years I'll be 45 and I was like but you'd be 45 anyways. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in four years. <laughs> so you might as well be 45 and have it under your belt, you know, and then it'll open these doors for you. So um, if you, it's not like if you don't apply for this course, time that is going, going to... you're not going to be 45. Yeah, time is going to freeze. <laughs> I don't think that's how it works. Um, so yeah, I would always, always encourage people to, to go for things and push themselves outside of their comfort zone. And and um, yeah, like it doesn't, it doesn't really matter how many times you apply for it. It matters that you have it done. Like a bazillion years ago, now and I was only I was very very I was very junior I was uh, I, I was doing I did an internship in um when I lived in London um and I was very tunnel visioned and I wanted to um get an internship at Vogue magazine um a bazillion years ago my 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 first uh I suppose what career or stab at a career I wanted to be a journalist and I was like I want to work for Vogue magazine and I decided I was going to do an internship um and I applied for Vogue and I got rejected and then I applied for Vogue and I got rejected. I applied for Vogue 106 times, but I got it, which means I was rejected 105 times before I got it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So persistent pays, pays, persistence pays off. Um, and I had to accept the terms of the restraining order, which came with it. <laughs> 
um, but no, I think yeah, just just keep ploughing ahead, and eventually, eventually you get it. Fiona, do you mind me asking, when you first got diagnosed of breast cancer, mm-hmm. how much did you know about breast cancer? Nothing, nothing. Uh, so I uh, was 33 when I was diagnosed. Um, I didn't know anything. I, it, you know, I thought I was actually too young to get breast cancer, which was uh, incorrect. Uh, it also doesn't run in my family. And I thought, oh, sure, the majority of breast cancers, you know, are hereditary. That's absolutely incorrect. Most are not hereditary. Um and it was such a fluke because I never checked my breast. I mean, I, I do now all the time, um, but I never checked my breasts. It was total fluke. I, I live in a really old, uh, drafty house and it was so cold. Um, one night and I was tossing and turning in the bed and I actually t- turned into the, the, well, it was the tumour, but it was a little, little lump. Um, my breasts are quite, quite small. So um, my mother calls them uh, batteries because they were double A for most of my life. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I turned into the uh, little tumor and it, it stuck into to my um, to my uh, rib cage and it kind of woke me up and I was like, "What is that?" And showed my mom and she, she said, "Yeah, I don't know what that is." So I went to the GP and went from there, anyways. And I'm so glad I did, you know, go straight to the GP because um, it was it was only stage one, so I was early, but it was grade three, so it was it was quite an aggressive. Um, type cancer and it was so tiny it was less than half centimetre so 0.4 centimetres um, and then by the time they started chemo and everything it had tripled um, in size oh. within you know a couple of weeks so it was yeah really really uh, scary but very lucky that I got it uh, so early but uh, yeah to answer your question I, I really didn't know anything about breast cancer that you know you go in and I you know after my first um, meeting with the with um, Dr. Shun Walsh she was amazing in the matter public and uh, she uh you know, the first time you don't, you know, when you go into shock, you don't absorb anything. So she said, every time you come in now and meet me, have a notepad with you with all the questions you want to ask me. And I'm so glad I did. And even stuff she was saying, I was like, just, you know, writing things down really, really quickly or trying to, um, my hand was like seizing up at one stage. Um, but no, it's really good to uh, to write everything down because you don't, <coughs> you don't remember, you forget what people mm-hmm. say to you as well. Fiona, finally, what bit of advice would you give to anyone of any gender, any age or at any point in life where they're just really unsure of what the next step is in in anything that's a great that's a great question um but I knowing all things I'm very equipped to answer it no um I I think it's a very common um a common thing to feel um a lot of people you know even in their careers their lives they change so much now you know now you don't have one career for the rest of your life people change careers all the time um now you don't do one course and that's it you're set for life people are constantly upskilling constantly changing directions um and even like changing countries they live in places that they they go to um but I would always try to follow your passion um and you know for me uh as I said I was in the communications journalism and then communications sector and then I came home uh from London after a couple of years there and um decided you know I was going to well it was actually my cousin persuaded me to apply for law school because again I didn't think I was smart enough to apply for law school applied for that got into it but um it was her who kind of it was it was she who pointed out that you know everything I was passionate about had a legal element to it so that's why I went down that route um and I found it really really interesting um and equally you know I know people who uh are really into maths and then decide someday you know I'm going to change my career and become an accountant I was always interested in maths so I think if you follow you know your passions in life um, and be kind to people I don't think you'll go far wrong